and I am sorry for being a few minutes late, but um, sometimes the Lord uh, is working in people's lives and they need to talk, and so uh, that is where I was. Uh, I was having a conversation with someone as the Lord was moving in their life, and uh, I am very guilty of being on a schedule and doing things a certain way, and sometimes when the Lord really works in someone's life, it uh, doesn't always work in the time frame. And so I just want to tell you that uh, I appreciate your patience and I appreciate the fact that the Lord is still working in people's lives. And it uh, gives me great hope because we live in a world that says there is no God. And, uh, um, and yet I can see God at work in people's lives on a regular basis. And so last night we started this discussion about Esther and this wonderful book. And tonight we're going to jump right in. And so we looked last night that they had a huge party, a huge celebration. And uh, I just want to kind of read to you how huge it was that it encompassed all the people, the poor, the rich, the middle class. Um, but yet it was an opportunity for the king to show off his riches. And so in verse 4, it says, When he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the splendor of his excellent majesty for many days, 180 days in all. So he brags and he shows about his glory and his wealth for 180 days. And then he closes that 180 days with a seven-day feast party in this wicked world. It would have been drunkery. It would have been all kinds of stuff, but yet they weren't forced to, but yet it would have been this time. And so this is the king. And so I want to start in verse 10 because I want to show you the setting of what happens. Because if you don't understand what has happened, you won't understand the significance of what Esther is going to do. And so it says in verse 10, on the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Bistha, Harbona, Bigtha, Abagatha, Zephan, and Carcass, seven eunuchs who served in the presence of the king, to bring Queen Vashti before the king wearing her royal crown in order to show off her beauty to the people and the officials, for she was a beautiful queen. And so he gives the command that the queen needs to get all dressed up, get her royal robes and royal crown on, and come and walk before us all. Now, I don't believe there's anything in here that says anything sinful or wicked. It's just he was drunk, he was proud of his beautiful wife, and he wanted to brag. He goes on and says in verse 12, But Queen Vashti refused to come to the king's command brought by his eunuchs. Therefore, the king was furious, and his anger burned with him. We don't know why she didn't want to come, but this is just my assessment from being a heathen one day. You're talking about hundreds, if not thousands, of drunken men, drunken people, and he wants to march his wife through the middle of them. Now, I don't know if you can think about that for just a moment, but no one would want to be the object of a drunken mess. Can you imagine the comments, the looks, the thoughts that people would have been having? And so we don't know what her motive was for not coming, but she didn't. 
And this is important because the queen would not obey a command by the king. And the result that happened to her, because when we look at Esther, Esther is put in a situation where she either obeys the king, doesn't obey the king, and she is going to have in her mind that this last queen didn't do what was told of her and the results. And so, this is what it says. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> in verse 19, he reached with his royal guidelines, he reached with his royal advisors, and this is what he says. If it pleases the king, let a royal decree come out from him and let it be recorded in the laws of the Persian and the Medes so that it would not be altered. So it's saying that what the king says goes, his punishment goes. There's no changing it. There's no getting around it. So that it will not be altered, that Vashti shall come no more before King Asherus and let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she. Now I want you to hear this. He says not only will she not be the queen anymore, she is never allowed to come into my presence. Now, this is significant in two ways. One, that means she will never be able to ask the king for anything, whether it's material blessings, whether it's food to live on, and she will not have any royalty to be used to help her. So she is literally being thrown on the street with no way to provide for herself in any shape or form. That's what happens to a queen in this story that disobeys this king. Now, that's significant because I want you to think about it like this. If you're driving through a town and there is a state trooper and he pulls you over for speeding, gives you your ticket, and you call your family or friend that's 30 minutes behind you that's on the same right, the same path, and you call and say, don't speed through this town because there is a state police officer and he is going to give you a ticket. Your family and friend says, not a problem. Thanks for calling. Gets off the phone. You get to your destination and your friend doesn't show up. You call them after about an hour and say, what happened to you? Where are you? And they say, well, I got a speeding ticket going through that town that you warned me about. You would say, why? I told you that was there. I told you that was the consequence. I told you that was going to happen. And they said, well, I did it anyway. You'd say, what is wrong with him? <laughs> right? You'd say, why would you do that? And this is significant as we set the stage for the rest of this book. We see the king get rid of a queen because when Esther takes over, she has to make a choice to do what is right or to do what is expected because she knew that disobeying the king would give her the same fate as this queen. And friends, as we look through this book, we looked at two questions, how God is always at work and how God wants to do great things through you in your life. 
And so tonight I want you to think about that because what God asks you to do might make no earthly sense. I remember when I felt God was calling in my life to serve Him. I said, God, I have no problem teaching Sunday school, but I never want to preach. And then after I started teaching Sunday school, I felt like the Lord convicted me and said that I was supposed to preach. And so I told the Lord, I will preach, but I don't want a pastor. Lord, don't you know, Baptists, they ain't no fun. It's like herding cats. But <laughs> And then after I started preaching and I felt the Lord convicting me to be a pastor, I said, Lord, I don't mind to teach. I don't mind to preach and I will pastor, but I have one request. Don't let me pastor in the county that I grew up in because I spent a few years away from God and made a mess of things. Guess what? I started to pastor. But then I asked God, Lord, I don't mind to teach. I don't mind to preach. I don't mind to pastor. I don't even mind to pastor in the same community. But as we were coming to church here, I said, Lord, I don't want to pastor here. Now, there were multiple reasons for that. It's not important tonight. And here tonight, I sit as the pastor of 10 Mile. It makes no earthly sense. I didn't have a degree when I took over here. I didn't have, I'd only preached a few times. I had all these things from an earthly standpoint that made no sense. But yet God had a purpose and a plan for my life. And tonight, some of are watching this saying, I just, God can't ask things of me. God can't want something from me but I'm telling you tonight that He does. And even when you don't see that He's working, He is. Maybe God's just calling you to be a godly husband, a godly wife. Maybe God's just calling you to be a faithful church member, a loyal friend. Maybe God's calling you to be a pastor, a Sunday school teacher, a nursery worker, singing in the choir. Tonight, let God have His way even if the consequences might be something that scare you. So as always, I want to thank you for watching. I pray that as we jump into chapter 2, <coughs> that you'll be trusting God more, believing Him more as well. And so as always, may God richly bless you. And I look forward to being with you tomorrow night.